Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Scenes Consumer Product Marketing, brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Meredith Davis, and if you know me, you'll know that I am super excited about this week's episode, because today we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at the dating app OkCupid and the launch of their badges feature that allows users to not only show what's important to them, but also filter matches who feel the same. In addition, we're going to talk about OkCupid's biggest differentiator, which is their infamous questions that they ask people to answer. Since its inception, OkCupid has offered thousands of questions to users that power their algorithm so people can match with others that are truly compatible. Each of these questions feed into one's match percentage with someone. OkCupid also localizes these questions by gender, orientation, and market, so people are matching on really what's relevant to them as a person. As product marketers, we focus a lot on building products or experiences that best solve customers' needs. But of course, we're not operating in a vacuum where our products alone are trying to address those needs. Unless you're running a monopoly operation, there are probably many other companies building products to get the same set of customers. This is especially true in today's dating environment where technology frameworks, templates, APIs, and more all help to make it much easier to stand up a new dating app. A significant part of a product marketer's job is supporting PMs and the team in building something that outperforms and better meets users' needs than the competition. And of course, this is easier said than done, especially in the dating space, which is why I am thrilled to be chatting today with the Director of Product Marketing at OkCupid, Jane Reynolds, who has been a part of the company for over five years now and is going to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the recent launch of OkCupid's profile badges and share with us her thoughts on how product marketers can support and providing key customer and competitive insights that help build strong product and brand differentiation. Jane, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to squash a misconception before we dive into things, because I used to get this a lot while working at the league. And even still to this day, I get this question. People will always ask me, like, how do dating apps And how do dating businesses work when successful experiences is people actually leaving the app? I have like a go-to response for this question because it's actually drives me nuts, but wondering if you do as well. Yeah. Well, you know, my response to that is success and people leaving the app is good for us because for every success (laughs) there is, that brings in about five more people. So we always say like word of mouth and product marketing, and especially with dating apps is such a thing. And it is the success stories and the people on the app who have a good experience that really then bring in friends. You know, who do you trust more than your friend to tell you, oh, I used this app and it really worked. And what better example of that is seeing a couple that moves in together or gets married or has a baby or whatever it may be. For us, it really is a good thing because for every couple that leaves, we see tenfold comments. Right. I know. I just roll my eyes at this point when I get the question. And my response is, what is the first question you ask people when they start dating? Right. How'd you meet? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And when people ask that, And if they're single or looking for something, they're ready to go and check it out. 
So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And have you been to any OkCupid weddings? I have been to a couple of league ones and it's just the best. That's like the reason I believe that you're probably still at OkCupid till this day. Yes. Yes. I've attended OkCupid weddings. We have numerous people that work at OkCupid who met their person on OkCupid both before working on OkCupid and after working at OkCupid. And we actually do find that it really is a draw for new hires. So people (laughs) who use the product and it works for them, they feel good about it. And also we found that our our ads as well have been major drivers in bringing people to work at OkCupid. So it's really exciting to see. Oh, that's amazing. Awesome. Cool. So before we dive in quickly for those who don't know you as well, Jane, you started your career as a writer and then moved your way up into editorial and became an editorial director. And I know we just spoke about this before hopping on the show, but tell me about making the switch to product marketing because there are a lot of new product marketers who are listening to the show. So how and when did you decide to make that switch or did you just stumble into it by happy accident? It was more happy accident. It really happened organically because when I started working at OkCupid, I was in the editorial space because at OkCupid, we're really lucky. We're known for our OkCupid questions, as you mentioned, which feeds our algorithm and really helps people match on what matters. And so I had all this data available to me, which is great. And being able to tell this story about why OkCupid's interesting and why it works and even just revealing dating trends and how that changes. And as I was working on these stories, I realized that it was important to tell the story, not only as like a PR marketing tool for bringing in new users, but also as a tool for telling our story to our current users and as a means of bringing them back. And so as I kind of dived more into working on push notifications and working with the product team on different product features and what can really help people stand out on a dating app. You see tons of people on dating apps. It's just like going into a crowded bar. You know, if you can remember what that was like, (laughs) right. Pre-pandemic, there are a lot of people. It's a lot of options. And so with OkCupid, we really try to tell that story of why this person you are compatible with. And you at least will know that, is there going to be a spark? You can't always be sure. We can't tell you that with certainty, but we can at least tell you you're aligned on these basic principles. So at least it's not going to be just a total bust of a date where it's like, oh, I got to the date and realized we're completely disaligned on these core values. Right. And that really has been the largest differentiator for OkCupid is these infamous questions And, you know, like meeting the right person may seem like magic, but if you're using a dating app or a website, meeting the right person is really a calculated process, like you just said. And online dating has always been data-driven and scientific and effective in connecting people with those shared common goals and, and interests. And there are plenty of dating apps that have, I think, sprung up over the years, catering to just about every interest, community, affiliation. But OkCupid has really been around since the beginning. And one of the key differentiators, like I said, is these questions to create a match score. Tell us about this key thing for OkCupid as a major differentiator. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up about these different apps that focus on a particular thing. I think the beauty of OkCupid is we're not just 
focused on one thing that you share in common, but we're able to look at the broader spread, right? So just say you and I are both liberal. So we match on that and we can feel confident on that. But instead of being on a dating app that was called liberals only or something, instead we can say, okay, you're both liberal and you both love traveling to Italy or your favorite wine is Burgundy or whatever it may be. It can be something lighter, which we consider more of like a conversation starter versus a deal breaker. Or it can be something that's really a core value. And we say, you know, so much better to know before you go, let's not waste anyone's time. Dating is process and it can take time. And it's always interesting to meet new people, but it's just great that we have these questions and so many of them, and you choose which questions you want to answer. So you can really meet someone that you align with. I think another cool thing about our questions is you can mark their importance level to you. So again, we have some of these more fun questions like, astrology yeah yeah astrology (laughs) would you pay extra for guac things are a little bit sillier so you can answer that and it's a conversation starter but you might not mark that as super important to you whereas your political leanings your religion whether or not you want children those are more deal breakers for most people and those you can mark as high importance or as deal breakers to really be able to filter for for the kind of person you're looking for and is someone who, since I've been in the in dating space, I do know that creating your profile initially is one of the biggest drop-off points and can be really nerve-wracking for some or also feel like a lot of effort. And OkCupid okay, really puts us a stake in the ground and says, like, these questions are important. Please fill them out. For people who are deterred potentially from all the questions, what would you say to them? I would just say for OkCupid, you have to answer 15 questions to complete your profile. And I would just say you get out what you put in, right? Exactly. So if if you don't want to take the time to answer those 15 questions, that's fine. But then OkCupid's not the place for you. And our thought is you're going to have a better time, whether you're looking for a date for tonight or your Saturday night for the rest of your life, you'll enjoy it more if you're aligned just on some basic things. So it's very much what you put in is what you good out. And I just encourage people to just like what you would want someone else to do when you're looking at their profile, you would hope that they took some time to fill out their profile, answer some questions, gets to know you, sends you a message that's thoughtful about your profile. So it's kind of just what you want from it is, is what you should put in yourself. Right. I mean, the way that I say it to people is like, You invest or we invest so much time and effort into getting into college or prepping for that interview. How could you not spend just as much effort on the most important decision of your life, which is going to be your life partner? Yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. Awesome. And then I know that these questions have been a staple and yet it has changed and grown and transformed through the years to remain such a valuable differentiator. How have you seen just in your past five years at the company, these questions really grow and mature over time? Well, the cool thing we've really been able to do is twofold. So first of all, we can drop in new questions whenever we want. And so we can really respond to things that are happening in the moment immediately. So for example, with the new Texas laws that more or less ban abortion, we were able to drop in questions for users right away 
to see, is this something that you care about? Is this important to you? Do you want to make sure you match with people who feel the same? Because we actually saw terms, I support Planned Parenthood, et cetera, starting to pop up in user profiles. So we knew, okay, users are wanting to signal this in their profile. Why don't we make it even easier by putting in a question about it? that feeds into the algorithm and your match score with someone. So that is one great thing. Another cool thing is OkCupid started largely just being North America. Our users, we've expanded all over the world. We have millions and millions of users across the world, India, Germany, Israel, Turkey, Singapore, I mean, you name it. And we can drop in questions that are pertinent to those markets specifically. So dating in India is very different than dating in North America. And religions are different there. Politics are different there. So we really wanted to create this localized experience where people can connect and and really feel like it's relevant to their lives. And so adding in these new questions based on cultural moments or important things going on in the world, is that what was the kind of like the impetus for the launch of the badge profiles. It almost feels like the badge profiles are an extension of these questions. That's a hundred percent correct. So actually we first introduced our badges back in 2017 and we've been able to have more and more. We were the first dating app to have these badges. So our first one was I support Planned Parenthood. We've worked with them for many years. It was right when I believe Trump was threatening to potentially defund Planned Parenthood. We again, just saw user profiles. This was something that was super important to them. And so we were like, let's make it even easier again to signal this. You can signal it in your profile. You can signal it by how you answer these questions, but we can also ask you as a question, do you want a badge that shows that you support Planned Parenthood? And if you say yes, you get the badge. It stands out to other users. It can also very much help people be that deciding factor. They're like, you know, this person looks interesting. I'm not sure. Oh, they support Planned Parenthood. That's a deal maker or a deal breaker for some people. And we've continued to do these badges. So largely we do them as reactions to big cultural moments in time. We've done a Black Lives Matter badge. We did an ACLU right to love badge in support of marriage equality, but we've done, you know, fun ones too. We did a Game of Thrones badge when it was the, that's season, amazing. the final season and people were excited to talk about it. Again, that's like a, a conversation starter or honestly a date idea. Let's watch Game of Thrones. So yeah, that was how it, it came to be. And it also just helps people more easily filter. It really acts like a filter for people of, okay, like if this person doesn't have the badge, I don't want to match with them or vice versa. If they have the badge, I definitely want to match with them. And I think more and more dating apps like OkCupid are enabling people to incorporate their political and social views on their profiles. And from your perspective, is this a shift happening from quantity over quality? I feel like there's this shift that we're seeing from a feeling of, I want as many matches as possible to weeding out those who on a first date, you'd find out anyway that they have differing social and political beliefs. Now I think adding these badges and, and continuing on and adding more questions where actually people are moving towards this idea of like wanting actually quality. Like they don't want as many matches. They just want the viable ones. Exactly. I, I think we've really seen that, especially during the pandemic this is really an opportunity for people to think about what they really wanted and 
dates were fewer and further in between. And if you were going on dates, it was via video. Some people are still keeping up video dates first as kind of this, you know, first step to make sure that you vibe, to make sure that all the deal breakers, (laughs) deal makers are met. And we've really sent, yeah, we've very much seen this pendulum shift of, okay, people are now really thinking and, and putting time and investing into the matches that they do have and they do want to make. So it's really exciting. We've also seen people are seemingly more reflective of what they want and who they are and what they want to explore and what they're open to. So that's been a really cool trend of kind of COVID dating as well. We've really seen that people are open. We've seen a shift and increase in users identifying as pansexual, identifying as non-monogamous. So it's really just about people kind of taking a step back, thinking about what they want and who they really want to match with and going from there. And I know that the analytics are extremely important to OkCupid. What were some of the insights that helped drive which badges you decide to create or questions you decide to create? For example, like are people writing these in their bios and you're seeing keywords come up and realize that this is something that you need to actually build for? That's a hundred percent how it happens. So we see people adding it to their profiles. Again, just recently we launched this I'm pro-choice badge in response to the Texas laws. And we saw the first, what we do is, okay, let's see if we see an increase in profile mentions. And we did, we saw people mentioning Planned Parenthood, pro-choice, even Texas. we, We saw this as something that people were flagging in their profiles. Then we also already have some questions around these topics, right? So we look at those questions. Have we seen an increase in people marking these questions as important? We do. So, okay, that's another indicator. And then when we released the badge, it was actually amazing. We saw that men with the badge versus men that did not have I'm pro-choice badge had a 85% more likely to get likes and women were 61% more likely as a result of the badge. Yeah. So it really, you know, makes people do that double take that you want. And we joke that the new (laughs) tall, dark and handsome is like supporting pro-choice. And it's exciting to see that it really is nice that there's more of a focus on the things in people's bios and these profile badges that you can indicate very easily versus just like your photos or whatever it may be. And how do you balance? I'm sure that a lot of these questions or profile badges are actually wanted by a small subset of your community, maybe like 1%, but that 1% is really loud, very active and really passionate about this. How do you balance like, yes, this is for a small subset of our community, but we should invest time and resources to build it for them? Okay, Cupid has always been a champion of under-resourced and underserved communities. And so while we do, of course, want to think about the greater good of all users, to us, it's really important that we support every group of users, whether it's like a small group or a larger group, because we find that it makes the experience better for everyone. It just does have this halo effect. And I will say that when it can have such a large impact for a smaller group of users, it really does make it worth that work. With profile badges, the great thing is we've been doing them for a while. So they're kind of turnkey for us. Our product team is amazing. Our engineers are amazing. So they can really get this out there 
quickly. And, and also, OkCupid was founded really on this principle of being very open, you know, especially OkCupid started in 2004 and had numerous gender and orientation options very early on in the process, way before other gaming apps. So this kind of goes back to our root meaning of being. And so it's important to us that even just like as a brand, we're maintaining the integrity uh, of how we started. We evolve, we're able to react to things moments in time, but we want to stay true to why we exist and why we first came out. And it was because in 2004, when we first started, there weren't that many options for people who weren't just cis male, cis female, straight. And and we wanted to fill that void. Yeah. And while we're on the topic, we have to talk about the recent out of home campaign because it was incredible. And if I ever fell out of love with your brand, this certainly made me fall back in love with OkCupid all over again. For those who haven't seen it, it's super provocative. It's a new campaign championing inclusivity and celebrating every single person, regardless of identity and beliefs. And I love what your CMO, Melissa Hobley said was that we're going to offend a lot of people and we're okay with that. These ads are super risque, featuring connected tongues, a variety of different people and looks and feels. And it's while I know that the pro-choice badge in particular wasn't launched by this time, the campaign came out. I know that other badges such as the vaccinated badge, the BLM badge, were definitely out and incorporated into this campaign. How do you work with the brand teams when you're launching these profile badges and incorporating them to the out-of-home campaign? Yeah, so we're all using the same data, right, from our users. So we share a lot of the same insights. And so what we do in product and what we do brand marketing really fortunately seamlessly aligns for the large part. And even, you know, the one that you mentioned, the connected tongues, that is for every single vaxxer. So we had this, I'm vaccinated profile badge. A lot of people were adopting it. People of course want to be able to signal I'm vaccinated potentially like helps with people feeling more comfortable meeting for an in-person date. And we kind of rely on the same data point and set of, okay, what do our users care about now? What does our brand as a whole care about now? We're product and marketing and the the place where we meet in the middle at product marketing, we're all very much aligned on what our brand is and what our brand represents. And we're able to bring this to life in the marketing and in the out of home, which you saw, you know, these ads, which is really cool. So for example, one of them is for every single non-binary person, we'd seen a nearly 20% increase in people identifying as non-binary joining OKCupid. And we've seen an 84% increase in daters identifying as pansexual. So we see this data and we're able to incorporate it into these campaigns. And again, the product backs it up because when you come to OkCupid, you can identify as pansexual. You can identify as non-binary. You can identify as someone who's vaccinated. So I do think it, to your point, that it's very important that we are aligned and we're able to do that pretty seamlessly, which is the great asset. And As a product marketer, I think many struggle with making sure that product and brand are connected. In your experience, like what are some key things that you found successful when helping to bridge this gap? 
I think involving both teams as much as possible is really helpful because the product side really has the intricate data on how our users actually interact with each other and are able to share insights that from a marketing perspective, we maybe wouldn't have thought of and vice versa. It's really important to us both for product and for marketing that we work with other organizations that we align with. So we had glad look at our ads to make sure they felt good about them. And and we've consulted with plenty of different people that we know and feel comfortable with even our users, we were like, you know, does this look good to you? Does this feel right to you? And seeing how they react to the different ads. And so I think it's been really important that we just keep each other involved because the more that are, are working on this, the better. And we've been able to really easily, fortunately, bridge that gap because we've just always had our campaigns kind of reflecting what we see in product. It sounds like constant feedback loops, right? Like with product teams, with brand teams, with your customers, with other organizations. Exactly. Um, In speaking about other organizations, because I know that out of home is just one of the channels that you guys activate for a go-to-market launch. And when it came to creating a message and narrative around these different badges, I know a big aspect, as you have shared it with me, is putting your money where your mouth is. Talk to me about the importance of donating and supporting organizations such as Planned Parenthood or BLM to accompany these launches. Well, we just really want to make sure that people understand that this goes back. It's not just about having a billboard or attracting a new set of users. That's obviously important. But what we we really want to make sure that we do we act on the things that we say or else you get distrust for a brand. So if we were talking about pro-choice, but doing nothing to support brands and organizations that also support pro-choice, we would feel kind of like a fraud. So it's important that we do take the action and involve our users too, right? So for example, with I'm pro-choice badge, we were donating a dollar for every single badge that users added to their profile up to $50,000. And we hit that number in less than 24 hours. Over 50,000 people had the badge within 24 hours. And we were able to donate that to Planned Parenthood. And, And it's cool because I feel like it's a good feeling for our users too. You know, our users really do follow up and say, what's going on with Planned Parenthood? They give us this feedback. They're invested. Of, uh, yeah, they're invested. We're invested. They, they want to be involved. And so it really is a cool way to in- involve our users in a way that they can feel good about. And when you do launch a new badge, for example, what are the key metrics that you track? Are there any scenarios where you take a badge down because it's not performing? How do you think about yeah, success metrics? So the most important things for us as a dating app are likes, matches, messages, dates. So if we see that if for any reason getting a badge is detrimental to the user or people are less likely to get on the app or if they're getting fewer likes or fewer matches, these are the things that are important to us. So we make sure that we feel like this is going to help the user make connections. At the end of the day, we want to match you on the things that you care about. And so if we're able to do that now, again, it could be for a small set of users. We're helping a small set of users. 
increase their matches, increase their likes. But as long as it's having a positive effect on their connections, that's really what we care about. And we incorporate, as you said, we talked about out of home and advertisements. We also use CRM. So we're using push notifications and in-app notifications in email to get users active on the app and remind them like, this is something new you can do for your profile. It's like almost like getting a new profile photo, right? Like right. You fancy new badge and it's shiny and it's exciting. And so it's a reason to come back and a reason to continue to interact with others. That's awesome. And through this process, now you've launched quite a few profile badges what have you learned? Like, what do you find the most interesting and motivating to continue to launch potentially more in the Certainly future? Certainly the most motivating. I mean, I would say that seeing matches is super exciting. And we've actually, the most motivating is seeing the social response that we get. So I've seen people on Twitter saying, I matched with this guy who's pro-choice. I'm so excited. Thank you. Okay, Cupid. And things like that. And that is just so exciting to see that this filter is actually working and helping people make connections. And even there's some people that come out against the pro-choice badge, right? People are saying, oh, I, you know, I don't think that Okay, Cupid should be doing this. And then we have users coming to the defense and saying, I'm so happy to know upfront if someone's pro-choice or not. So that's really gratifying to see people interacting and it sparks conversations. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. And in launching a, a few of these badges, are there any missteps or looking back now you would do different in the future type of takeaways? Knowing what you know now in how you've launched these badges, what would you do differently potentially in the future? Well, one thing that we have iterated on, which I think is really cool, is our first badge was just a badge on your profile. And now when we release a badge, we have a stack. It looks like an Instagram story, but basically it truly is a filter of the people who have that badge. So as you're on OkCupid and you're looking through profiles, no matter where you are in the interface, you can see someone's profile uh, badge if they have it, if they have the I'm pro-choice badge. But you can also go to this special stack where every single user in that stack has the I'm pro-choice badge. And same with vaccine. We also have that badge live too. I'm vaccinated badge. So if you're like, I only want to match with people who are vaccinated, I don't even want to see people who are not you go to that stack, you see those people. And it's just a little bit more seamless, a little bit easier for the user to actually filter through. So that's one iteration. And that was one learning we had where how can we make this even easier to find just a list more or less of these people? I love that. That is awesome. And I think that people really appreciate at this time, having the ability to weed out or not see those who have differing social beliefs or political beliefs, because I really do think we're at the point in time now where people are, like I said, going from that quantity of matches and wanting to just have as many as possible to really dwindling it down to those who they would be serious about going on a date with and potentially having a long-term commitment with. So I think that's awesome. And I know that we are almost out of time. And so I have a few rapid fire questions that I would love to ask you. So feel free to just spin them off as whatever comes first. So the first one is in the realm of product marketing, what are you most curious about right now? I'm just most curious to talk to other brands. I feel like product marketing feels 
like this new and constantly evolving space. And so I love to talk to other product marketers, talk about what's their process for naming. I think that's really interesting when you come out with a new feature, how do you decide the name? You know, we do a lot of user testing, but would love to know more about that from others. And just to really use the space as a collaborative one and learn from other brands. But okay. you know, it, it just definitely is helpful for us to really be able to collaborate and learn from others. I'm very grateful for this kind of community that has come through for product marketers. I feel like in only just the past couple of years, the community for product marketers is being spun up and it really is amazing to connect with others. So I, I can't wait to see what the future of this career path is. What is one marketing channel you think that product marketers should be exploring more right now? I think it's important for product marketers to really be aligned with the marketing team on performance and brand spend, because it's so important to make sure that when you're doing these different updates and features that they align well with campaigns. It's exciting when we have a new feature, again, kind of like the I'm pro-choice badge coming out right when our campaign comes out, because it's just this giant effort and it's this great new thing on the product. So people come to the app and really see that we're delivering on what we have in the ads. And I think even from a performance marketing standpoint, just being aligned on the users that we're looking to bring in and and what kind are they looking for long-term? Are they looking for short-term? What are the different pain points for users and how can we make sure that for all across the board for marketing, we're making sure that we're addressing those pain points. And then again, with product marketing, making sure that the product also does the same. Yep. And what is one thing you wish you knew when starting out your career in product marketing? Well, one thing that I wish I knew is, first of all, I wish I knew more product marketers when I started, because I do think that collaborative process is so important. And that CRM and the channels such as push notifications and in-app and email are so vital from a product marketing standpoint, because you want to make sure that that story is getting out there to your users and making sure that your current users are really feeling good about the product. And so knowing that it's a resource and really yep. utilizing it as much as possible, I would have done earlier on. Yeah, absolutely. Community is so important. And last question for you, the future of the dating space. I'm sure you get this question all the time. We saw this huge spike within dating apps in particular, starting in 2014. And then that kind of, you know, there's not that many new apps spinning up as much as there were previously What can we expect for the future of of online dating? I think online dating is going to continue to be a space where people can really explore and be honest about what they want first. I feel like for a lot of people, a lot of people come out on a dating app before they come out to friends and family or might connect with someone that they wouldn't have met via friends or via their religious institution or whatever it may be. Dating apps really help you meet a larger and more diverse pool of people. And that will continue. And dating apps are another means of meeting people. I don't think you should sit in your house all day on dating apps all day. I encourage people to, yes, go to bars, use dating apps, and explore all venues of of meeting people. But I think the beauty of a dating app is it really does help people 
be honest about what they want. It can really be a great way of being the first step of being honest about what you want and who you are. And then you can ultimately like bring that into your real life persona and your real life interactions. That's the true beauty of dating apps and how they've really served the singles community. Yeah. So many people assume that online dating is just online, but it really is. I think what we're going to see is the interconnectivity more and more with online to offline and being able to really utilize these as tools to help foster greater connections offline. So I'm super excited. I cannot thank you enough for joining the show. And this episode has been incredible. I'm sure there are so many people who are going to have tons of questions and want to reach out to you. So if they do, what is the best way to contact you? You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way, but thank you so much. I really enjoyed doing this. Awesome, Jane. Thank you so much. And everyone, we will be back again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Behind the Scenes Consumer Product Marketing. Thank you.